Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Let's get to the word tonight. Praise God. I'm excited to teach this lesson tonight. I am excited to talk about some things I think will be a benefit to you and a blessing to you and help us make good decisions. The book of Romans chapter 14. The book of Romans chapter 14 is is a powerful chapter. And we're going to begin with verse 7. For none of us liveth to himself. And no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. Whether we live or die, we're the Lord's. Jumping down in that chapter to verse 22. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in the thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. I want to talk to you about a place between lines and liberty. A place between, between lines and liberty. Say that with me, between lines and liberty. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your people. I pray, God, that you would help us, Lord, as we give, Lord, what you laid upon our heart to teach on tonight. Let it be a strength to your people. Help us, Lord Jesus, to feed your flock. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody say amen. amen. God bless you. Be seated. We live in a world today that... We used to say politically correct. I don't know if that is even a word or a phrase in vogue now, but uh, we're living in a time where tolerance is touted as being the most superior thing you do is to be tolerant unless somebody is a Bible believer. Okay? It's difficult today to chart a course in a world and a culture where right and wrong is subjective or where truth is, mm, don't know if it exists or not, where truth can be something that can be taken as my truth and your truth. My truth. Now, you can say my opinion or my viewpoint But you can't say my truth because there's only one truth. All right? You can't say my truth and be totally factually accurate. But it has become increasingly challenging in this world 
to develop convictions when you have someone over here that says, this is okay, and someone over here that says, no, it's not. Somebody says that this is a sin, and that is not a sin. It can become challenging when you're in the area of, I have a conviction, and it contradicts your conviction. It's not a heaven or hell issue. It is my personal conviction with God, but then you have a different opinion. How are we going to get along with each other? You can have churches that have the same apostolic belief and have a difference on how they apply holiness standards or apply how they're going to live. Not only churches that have the same apostolic belief, but in, are in the same organization. How do we handle these gray areas where it's not heaven or hell? And I hear this all the time from people that just want to argue about their right to do, son, do sin. Well, show me the Bible where that's a heaven or hell issue. Okay, we'll get there. So how does Mr. John Q. Christian handle these areas of life that are not clearly spelled out? If the Lord had written a book in the Bible that spelled out everything from whether you should gnaw on cinnamon toothpicks or wear red shoes, do you realize what we would have to do to carry that around? We'd have to have a U-Haul. And the Jews got into that. They had 613 laws that they added on to and added on to and added on to and added on to until now they, they just, you know, they, they got into a place where the Pharisees are, are running the show with, if you don't do everything exactly like we, my Bible reading today was a story where the Lord uh, healed the woman uh, that, that had an issue and uh, they, on the Sabbath day. And they got mad that, that she was healed on the Sabbath day. Go figure. You know what he said? He said, you untie your ox on the Sabbath day. And I love what the scripture says, and it, and it smote them. It's, it pricked their heart. Amen. But some things are subjective in this world that we're living in. Some things are subjective rather than objective. Every one of us must carefully approach the gray areas, the neutral areas, the, the, the neutral zone of life where, where we got to make a decision about something that's very important. Dealing with neutral issues is especially challenging for those type of personality where everything is black or white. We got any black or white people in the, in the crowd? Uh, <laughs> quit pointing fingers. You know, the, 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 uh, we have them in our family, and I'm not going to name names, uh, but, but we, we got this where it's just, it's, it's black or white. There is no gray areas. There's nothing. And then you have those that are looking for an excuse to do things that are questionable, so there's no black or white. It's all gray. Not all Christians are on the same level, brother and sister. Amen. I used it as, as the mile marker on the, on the highway. We're all on the highway of holiness, but some people are on a different mile marker than somebody else. Don't judge somebody that is on a mile marker when you've been in the church for 30 years and they've been in it for three months. Okay? 
they're on the highway. Come on, praise God for that. Praise God, they're on the highway. Amen, I'm going to shout over that. Now, if you've been on the, on the highway for a long time and, and you're still doing stuff that should be convicted of or should decide it on, whether it was a gray matter or, or a black or white matter, amen, well, then, then there's an altar here for you tonight. Somebody say amen. Not all believers are on the same spiritual mile marker, but we all must be marching the same direction, closer to Jesus. And the closer you get to Jesus, the more stuff falls off. The more this world falls off. The more the desires fall off. Amen. Hallelujah. So so when we talk about neutral zones, we're talking about things that are not heaven or hell issues in themselves. But what I have seen is that the things that are not heaven-hell issues in themselves become a heaven-and-hell issue by how someone handles it. Often the attitude becomes the sin. Often the, 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 the approach becomes the sin, not the, the thing itself. Many choices in, in our life are not spelled out obviously in Scripture are not spelled out. So how do we deal with those things that are not spelled out? First of all, we deal with the things that are spelled out. We deal with the things and we follow the, the precepts that are explicit. Amen. So the thing that I think is very important is that you're submitted to godly leadership. You're submitted to the voice of the Lord. Amen. It, 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 it is a ministry mandate to help establish restraints, to help point out things that are, are danger zones in the gray zone. Dangerous, things that we ought to be very careful of. Amen. The neutral zone that we're talking about tonight is the liberty we experience between a line of right and wrong. That point where it is a point of no return, that's sin. You cross this, mm. Let me just tell you, the Bible is very clear. Fornication is sin. Adultery is sin. Listed on and on and on and on. Amen. Lying, cheating, stealing. In the Word. I don't have to, I don't have to show you that. It's, it's in the Word. It's in the Word of God. But liberty comes into that place where, uh, how do I live in this gray area sometime that is between the lines? How do I live? Amen. But today's world, liberty has become synonymous with how do I live after my own heart? The desire to live like I want to live. Uh, the right of the pursuit of happiness has been re replaced with I have the right to feel happy. And if you get in my, my way of feeling happy, I'll let you know about it. Amen. Everyone should be able to do what they want to do, regardless of how it affects anyone else or even themselves. That is defined as liberty. But what we have is that we have confused self-centered arrogance with liberty. Many who march for a personal liberty, it's, it's faked, it's forced. They say, I want to be able to have this liberty, but it's no responsibility. Can I tell you, our forefathers understood it, and the Bible teaches it. There can be no true liberty without true responsibility. Let me say that again. 
There could be no true liberty without true responsibility. Let me define biblical liberty for you. Amen. Biblical liberty is deliverance from a darkened mind, free from the slavery of sin, free from corrupt state of morality, and free from the mastery of selfish pride. That's liberty. Liberty is freedom to consistently pursue holiness internally and externally. Liberty is free to do what is right, not what I want. Free to be totally surrendered to the will of the king. That's liberty. That is liberty. In their book, Revival Culture, Michael Broder and Banning Leapshire provided a tremendous insight I want to share with you. They said this, there is a space between legalism and licentiousness that is called liberty. There is a place where holiness and grace intersect, a place where faith and works embrace, forgiveness and justice stand watch. Liberty is sometimes a razor's edge and sometimes a vast plain. But either way, it is the place where God's presence dwells, where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty. But I can tell you, he, li- he dwells between the lines because he is holy. Amen. The psalmist said, I'll walk in my liberty for I seek thy precepts. I will walk in liberty because I seek what your word says. Amen. I'll walk in liberty because the psalmist pursued the Lord's precept. He found a place of liberty. There is freedom in the word of God and obeying the Lord unlike anything else. Can I tell you, living godly and righteous and holy, both externally and internally, is not a bondage if you understand what true liberty is. Liberty is living between the lines. Amen. You know, freedom doesn't exist without fences. Come here, Cole. Praise the Lord. Man, Cole's a wrestler. He's working on, on his jujitsu, jumacho, jujami, whatever it is. And, it, and so he knows all those wrestling. You know where, where, where m- m- my freedom ends? Right here. Because I know what would happen if I punched him in the nose. I don't want to know what happened. Okay? But his freedom ends right here. Freedom has a limit. I said, free, and that's what this world doesn't understand is that freedom has a limit on how far I can go and what I can do. Love is limitless. Baloney love isn't limitless. I can't love everything that I, you know, that I want to and be okay. You know, I'm, I love your car. Can I have the keys? I, no, I'm just going to take the keys because I love, I love your car. No, 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 there is a limit to freedom. Thank you, Cole. Thank you for not punching me. Look at this, 1 Peter 2, 15. 1 Peter 2, 15. For so, the will, so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, free, as free 
and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as servants of God. The ESV reads of that part, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Not using your freedom. I'm free to do it. I'm free to do it. Yeah, 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 but hold on just a second. We need to find out a little bit more about this situation. The principle of liberty is found in two commandments. It's found in two commandments that Jesus gave. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it. Thou shalt love the neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang the law and the prophets. <clears throat> he said, on these two commandments, all the law, all the prophets is summarized into these two commandments. Liberty then is summarized in these two commandments. I got to love God with all of my heart. Uh, amen. And like that, I need to love people, my neighbor as myself. There is a plane of holiness and walking with God, a plane of liberty and lines that is both a, a horizontal and vertical. It matters what I do and how it impacts other people. Let's get into it. Romans 14 and 1. Romans 14 and 1. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, and another who is weak eateth herbs. Romans 14 provides for you and me a guideline on how to live through the hazy place of the neutral zone or the gray zone. What happens when we are true believers and we don't agree on every area how do we get along? What spurred this teaching tonight is a phone call that I had this past week with someone that was, that, that's in leadership that was dealing with, well, this church believes that and this church believes this. How do I reconcile? Can I tell you, God in his infinite wisdom knew ahead of time that there would be differences of culture, that there would be differences of churches, that he put it in his word Amen. Romans 14, so we can understand this and still get along. What you got to understand, Paul wrote to the Roman church who was an international assembly. Roman church was a mixture of Jews and Gentiles. It was a mixture of Italians and Greeks. It was a mixture of different ethnicities, different races, different culture. The church resembled, no doubt, a metropolitan church of our day. Amen. The converted Jews in the church were commanded, the converted Gentiles, to follow the ceremonial law. This is what you're supposed to eat. This is what you're not supposed to eat. You can eat this, but you can't eat that. And so the Jews were taking it upon themselves to straighten out the Gentiles. One was saying, this is right. The other was saying, this is wrong. So who's right? Paul? How can, you, how can you cut the baby in half, so to speak, with the wisdom of Solomon? How are you going to do this? This is what Paul said in Romans 14. You're both right. Do I get an amen on that one? 
Mm -hmm. He says, he that is weak in the faith, receive you. Somebody say, receive ye. Reception has got to be the first step, not rejection. When somebody doesn't understand or somebody doesn't believe and they got a different belief over something that is not a heaven and hell issue, the first step is not rejection but reception. They're a brother in Christ, been buried in the name of Jesus, got the Holy Ghost. Our first response should be, you're my brother, you're my sister. Okay? Receive in faith. The word receive here uh, means to admit. Welcome. Y'all come on in. I've seen them where if you didn't have a certain organizational card in your pocket, you, you just weren't welcome. You were not welcome. You're not, you're not even welcome to heaven. I think when we get to heaven, we're going to have this group over here that's all in heaven, and that group over there that's all in heaven, but don't tell this group that that group's here. Maybe that's why the New Jerusalem's so big. <laughs> Receive, admit. Many, too many have a no admittance policy. If somebody comes in and messes up their hobby horse, Maybe I need to preach about a man again. He said, receive without doubtful disputations. That Greek word there means judicial est estimation, reasoning, or opinion. Uh, it is from the Greek word to separate thoroughly, to withdraw from, to oppose, to discriminate against. Mr. Vincent in his Greek uh, uh, commentary on this phrase says that this is judging of thoughts, doubtful disputations. God help us to be receptive and not judger of thoughts. We got judger of post. Can I tell you, you can never understand emotion on a Facebook post. Don't try it. Neither can you read somebody's face and think you understand what's going on in their mind. I've been pastoring for a while, and I have tried to read people's faces, and I would think they're upset with me, but really they're upset because something happened in their world, something happened in their life, but I take it personal, so I'm going to preach at them. I'm going to take Luke, and I'm going to run Luke right over because his face is all discontor you know, it's contorted, and he's looking all sad, and I'm thinking, you're not listening to what I'm preaching. So what, what is that? Doubtful disputation. It's me assessing an opinion about someone because of my thoughts. Praise be to God. Mm, mm. Far too many are spending valuable time battling each other over opinions that are really neutral issues. I'm not talking about heaven or hell issues uh, that are spelled out in Scripture, but things that we got to decide in our culture, in our present distress, in our present situation. Amen. But Paul said like this, uh, he said, don't wrangle 
over doubtful disputations. Amen. In the next verse, in verse 2, he says, For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. What is he describing? He's describing people on different mile markers on the highway to holiness. A weak saint here is one who follows opinion rather than godly principles in dealing with neutral issues. Then he begins to watch. He, be, he starts off with that, that hook. Then he comes across with the right cross in verse 3, Romans 14 and 3. He said, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. Who? The both of them. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant in, to his own master? He standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up for God is able to make him stand, is that God is the master, and I might be weak, and I might not be able to handle something, but he makes me stand. All right, if, 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 if Brother uh, uh, B is going to eat something that I, should, I think I shouldn't eat, well, you know what? I, I've got to be of the mindset that if you're going to eat that, i got to be all right with it. Pastor, you're just meddling now. Yes, I am, but I'm going to go a little deeper. Notice what he says. Let not him that eateth despise. Somebody say despise. Him that eateth not. Don't let the Gentile despise the Jew that doesn't eat. But then he said, let not him which eateth not judge him with eateth. So you have a group over here that is, first of all, you got the despisers that, that are full of contempt, full of disdain and disapproval. Then you got the judgers that are full of condemnation. I have watched it over the years, and, and I don't even like using these words, but I don't know how else to describe it. I have watched those that are very liberal, who, who, who look down upon somebody that has a standard. And they are very like, well, I'm better than you because I eat. Or I don't eat. Then, then, then on the other side, you got the ultra right that go over here and say, bless God, you're going to split hell wide open because you just do this and you do that. And, you know, you're chewing on that cinnamon toothpick and that's going to send you straight to hell. Mm, don't, don't pass go. Right? Paul blasts both sides. He blasts both sides. The one that looks down and the one that condemns. The error of the, of, the, of the conservative, we could say it like that, the ultra-conservative is condemnation. He's judging. The era of the, the more liberal or the left-leaning is contempt. Amen. Uh, just scorn. 
looked down upon. Amen. Both, Paul said, don't do that. Somebody say, don't do that. Now, that, that's the correct King James Version for that. <clears throat> Both fall into a pharisaical spirit. Both. Because they're both judging inappropriately. Something that is a gray matter. Here's the key. For God hath received him, and God is able to make him stand. Adam Clark says of this passive scripture, who has ever given thee the right to condemn the servant of another man in things pertaining to his own master. To his own master he standeth or falleth. He is to judge him, not thou. He is to judge him, not thou. Again, please know that I'm not talking about clear principles of distinction between the sexes that are that are in Scripture, I'm talking about gray areas of should I do this or should I not do that. Amen. I'm a servant of God. I need to pray and seek God until I hear from him about the issue. When has it become just a flip of the coin to decide on a gray matter? When has it become a feeling that I think I'll just do what I want to do? Or when can we fall to the face of our master and say, God, give me a conviction. Let me feel something in my heart. Let it be a convincing thing in my mind. I've shared this with you, but let me share with you again. Five fundamental questions that Paul asked for us dealing with gray issues, neutral issues. It's been a while since I taught on this, and I want to get it because some of you never heard it, and I want to help you the best I can. The first question is found throughout the verses of 1 through 5 in this, this setting. Look at verse 5 where he summarized this question in a statement. He said, one man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man, here's the key, be fully persuaded in his own mind. Here's the question number one, when you're dealing with uh, gray things, things that are not heaven and hell issue, am I fully convinced? Am I fully convinced? Somebody say, am I fully convinced? He's talking about days. He's talking about Passovers. He's talking about Jewish in institutions here, new moons, jubilee. The Jewish believer believes you are under moral obligation to this festival. You are under moral ob obligation to the ceremonial feast. Amen. The Gentile believers did not have the same conviction to follow the same things. Can I tell you, I don't, I don't, I don't want to throw anything on somebody that follows the Jewish code and, and they may be a Jew or are doing what they, but, but neither should they put it on a Gentile to follow a Jewish code. Can I get an amen? amen. I, I, I just, I have nothing against somebody celebrating Hanukkah. I don't know nothing about Hanukkah. Well, thank you. Let every man be fully persuaded in his mind. That means to have a burden that you have constantly carried 
through to accomplishment, to a complete thought. Amen. What we have come to today is that people that vacillate between this thing and that thing, and they've never made up their mind what the Bible says and what God says to them about this particular thing. Hallelujah. Let me just say this, though. If there's a slight, slight doubt in a gray matter, if there's a tinge of I don't know, walk away. Walk away. Walk away. Can I just get very specific? There are people today that, that, that think nothing of going to a theater and watching a movie theater. But there came a day that I had to decide in my mind what I was going to do about there is no scripture that says that thou shalt not thus go to a movie theater. There is not one. But I had to come to a mindset of would I go or not go. But I came to a mindset that for me and seeing it is that the good is so minor and so minuscule and the bad is so awful that I just can't afford to allow myself to be in that position and say I'm going to go put myself and put my kids and put my family in a place where there is little to no control. Get some convictions and then determine them in your heart and be fully persuaded. I'm fully persuaded about that. May not be a heaven or hell issue, but for me, I'm fully persuaded. I've been to a theater to watch a movie one time in my life, and I was about eight years old. And my aunt, I was staying with my aunt, and she took me to see Tom what is it, Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn, way back in the day. You can imagine what kind of, you know, that's way back in the day. I sit there, Brother B, so miserable. I was eight-year-old, and I didn't know anything about whether it was right or wrong. I, I just sit there, and I was just like, this is miserable. I'm not having fun. Now, I'd go swim all day in my aunt's pool. Y'all doing all right? Are you still there? Praise God. So be convinced. Be persuaded in your mind. That's the first question. The second question is found in verses 6 through 9. Romans 14, 6. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day to the Lord he doth not regard it. I know that sounds like a tongue twister. But it's about the relationship here. Do you see that? He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth God thanks. Woo! That's powerful, y'all. But then he goes into our opening text. For none of us live to himself, and no man die to himself. And, and whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Or whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we're the Lord's. For this, in Christ both died and rose and revived, that, that, he, that he might be Lord both of the living and the dead. Here's the question that I think we need to ask from this text is, will this activity adversely affect my relationship with the Lord? I watch people 
that have preached things and believed things and they've run from it and they've turned it aside and yet I see no revival. I see no fruit of a great move of God. Amen. So my thought is this. If I do something and it hinders my walk with God, I need to stop doing it. Even if it isn't a heaven or hell issue, I need to stop doing it immediately because it, it, it's that question of how does this impact my relationship with the Lord? Am I reading this book and, it, and is it impacting my relationship with the Lord? Am I watching this and is it impacting my relationship with the Lord? Am I listening to this and it's impacting my relationship with the Lord? Am I hanging around and doing things that I shouldn't be doing that may not be a heaven or hell issue, but I'm just not going to let it impact my relationship? relationship with God. I wish I could tell you what I'm feeling deep down inside. I wish I could convey it. This generation better get some convictions and understanding about how to deal with the gray areas because you could watch your buddies on Facebook and all of a sudden they're doing things that they never did before. They're, they're acting in ways they never acted before. And we say, oh God, what are we going to do? Amen. The first thing I need to do is ask myself some questions. Am I persuaded in my mind? Amen. And how is this impacting my relationship with the Lord? Am I further along? Let me use an illustration. Let me ask you a question. Is working a sin? Is working, going to work, having a job a sin? Are you not fully persuaded in your mind? <laughs> the obvious answer is no. Because the Bible said if you don't work, you don't eat. Okay? But how about if that job keeps you out of church all the time? How about if that job... I know of a man we pastored somewhere south of here that... He just drank a beer with those he was working with. Just, just one beer. And that one beer turned to two beers. Is that such a plural? Two beer. I don't know. Thank God. But it went from beer to harder liquor. And from harder liquor it went to marijuana because he's hanging out with these people. It's in his job. He's doing the business thing. And so it turned to marijuana. It wasn't too much longer. It turned to cocaine until it became a $60,000 a year dollar habit. If you don't understand about the gray areas of that, I would love to go in fellowship with you. But if you don't have the zones set up, in your mind, this is as far as I go. And no, Jesus ate with sinners. Nothing wrong with eating with sinners. Amen. But I'm not, I, I, I've got to have some things in my spirit about this is the line. that this is. I can't go beyond this. Amen. Because it, then I cross over from it being a gray area to it being a hell area. <clears throat> Working can be good. Hobbies can be good. Sports can be good. But if they send you down the road to where you get colder and colder into the Lord, stop and ask, 
how is this impacting my relationship? You see, it may not be the hobby or the sport that's the problem. It's how we're dealing with it in our commitment level with God. Can I get an amen? Amen. So how does it affect the Lord? Number three, question number three. Romans 14, 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? Listen to this. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. The third question about gray areas is, how does this impact me? How does me doing this impact me? Now let me just say, when he talks about the judgment seat of Christ, this is not whether whether you're saved or lost or going to make it to heaven or not, because this is the church. The church comes before Christ for what is known as the judgment seat of Christ. The great white throne judgment is different than the judgment seat of Christ. The, the, the judgment of seat of Christ is where we begin to receive rewards, and, 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 and whether gold, silver, or precious stone, or the Bible said wood, hay, or stubble. It's when we stand before the Lord and He says, Good job, here's your reward. Or He says, eh, You made it, and that's all you did. By the skin of your teeth, that's what Bishop said. The NIV says in Romans 14 and 10, So then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we all shall give an account of ourselves. Mm. Son, what would you do with that, that, that thing you got involved with? Turn you cold on me. Turn you when you you weren't as faithful as you used to be. It turned you to the place where your generosity all of a sudden was squandered. I can't can't give you a reward for that, but I'm going to give you wood, hay, and stubble. I don't know about you. I only want to hear him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want him to say... Here's some rewards. Amen. Here's some rewards that now you are blessed to have. Hallelujah. While some activity may not harm me going to heaven, it may impact my position at the judgment seat of Christ. It's not all about just getting to heaven. I don't only want to just squeak into heaven. I don't want to just barely get there. I want to go shouting, kicking, hollering, running past the pearly gates right into the glory world and give God praise and enjoy the trip as I'm going. Amen. Because I don't want to just be a barely making it kind of Christian. I want to be an all-in kind of Christian. And if I go to extremes on some things that are personal, I remember the first time I saw a deck of regular playing cards. I was probably a teenager. My dad would not allow them in our house. My dad would not allow dominoes in our house. 
But do you know why my dad would not allow them? It wasn't the matter that it was a heaven or hell issue. But my dad grew up in a home full of gamblers. It was a spirit that was running deep in the Gill family. And my dad said, I'm putting a stop to it. I'm putting a stop to it. You know what? I, I grew up okay without a deck of cards. I don't know how to play uh, Texas Hold'em. I don't know how to play. I don't even know what to say the next thing is. Come on, somebody, you know the names? Huh? Old Maid. Now, I know how to play that because we had an Old Maid card. card yeah you know here's what I understand in that deck of cards there is no power in those dice there is no power but my father said as for me and my house we have decided that this gray area is a no-go since then I've, I've held a deck of cards Who did that? Did y'all hear our pastor over here, Pastor Dillon, gasping? <laughs> oh, I better go to question four. Before I go to question four, you and I are going to have to answer for a lot of things. Why make the matter worse? Why make the matter worse? Okay? So how does it impact me? How does it impact my, my standing before Christ? Question number four, Romans 14, 13. Is this, is this helping anybody? Is this helping anybody? Romans 14, 13. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather. That no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Question number four. We talked about how does it impact my relationship with the Lord? How does it impact me? How does it impact my fellow brother or sister? I can do what I want to. I'll be convinced about it. But how does it impact my brother or sister? Mm, don't put a stumbling block. <clears throat> Why are we not to judge one another in this matter that Paul is talking about? Because it overrides and harms unity. Unity is where the answer should be. Is that I can be okay with our uh, a pastor over here sighing because <laughs> we're still unified. You know, I don't like that sign, <laughs> but I still love him. And I want to be with him. Okay? You want to wear a purple, purple polka dotted suit to church? I'm still going to love you. But you're probably not going to find Pastor walking in with a purple polka dotted suit. Right? You see what I'm saying? Is that I can learn to worship with people I don't agree with. Oh, y'all hear this. I can worship with people I don't agree with. Over things that are not heaven or hell issue. And when you get on your hobby horse about something, and it's on that hobby horse that you ride it and you ride it and ride it, when you get off, you're right where you got on. 
Kind of like the old dime horses we used to ride. When mama would go to the grocery store, she'd put me on it, put a dime in it. I'd ride like I was riding down the range. And I'd get off right where I got on. Amen. What, I'm, what are you saying, Pastor? Is that there are some things I've got to be willing to say, I'm not going to judge you on that. Because I've got some things I'm doing. I don't want you judging me on that. Unity is the important thing. The word stumbling block means to cut someone down. To cut someone down. Years ago, boy, I am feeling a freedom tonight I hadn't felt in a long time. Years ago, Sister Gill and I went to pastor in Iron Hill down in a little town called Parsons. I went there, very first pastor, 30 years old. I didn't realize that in three years I was going to be crucified, but um, that's another story. But we went down there, and I was really going to put every, my, my goal. We had, I think, eight. There was in the town of 3,000 people, about seven or eight apostolic churches. I was going to bring them together. Never been done in all the years. But we're going to bring them together. So we started going to fellowship and going to this place and going to that place. And we went to a place, and they were having a revival. And we walked in, and, and, and church had already started. And, man, they are swinging from the chandeliers. It's loud. It's hollering. And they're running around the aisles just as fast as they can get it. Whoo, we come in. We're going to get in right in the middle of all this. We're worshiping and praising the Lord. And the pastor says, Stop! There's a bad spirit in this place. The devil has shown up tonight, and we need to cast him out. True story. Correct? True story. So Sister Gill and I, oh, Lord, get rid of this devil. Lord, whatever this spirit is, it's binding this service. Oh, God, get rid of it. And it hit me. We had went there very prepared because it's a very ultra conservative church. We had went there, we, you know, no, no, no jewelry on, no, no, uh, nothing like that. You know, we're 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 dressed very sedate, and 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 you know, Sister Gill was very careful with what she put in her hair and how she dressed, and she had a big old flower right here, and I poked her, and I said, "It's you, honey." I'm going to tell you how powerful this is. She took that pin off, stuck it in her purse, and they went right back to lathering and praising God and hooping and hollering because that devil had got out of the church. Needless to say, we were never back. I learned real quick that there's just some folks I can't, be unified with. But don't put a stumbling block in front of people. If an activity seems hazardous to you, it is. If it seems hazardous to you doing in front of your brother or sister, it is. <clears throat> 
In verse 15, it says, But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat. If I'm going to take a, 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 a bell burger and I'm going to bring it in front of my Hebrew brothers and I'm bringing that bell burger and it's loaded up and I'm just going, ha ha, it's been open, op, openly offered to an idol but it don't bother me. Ha ha, ha Just eat it in front of you. That's what Paul is saying. If, 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 if that meat offends your brother and sister, don't do it. Don't do it. Amen. Because it matters what I do in the gray areas that, and how it impact, impacts my brother or my sister. Amen. Keep the right focus in the kingdom. The real issue of this passage is not the debate over eating or not eating certain meat, but is addressing the righteousness, peace, and joy that is in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Uh, look at verse 20. Right, let's go back to verse 19, if you don't mind, Sister Shelley. Verse 19. Let us therefore follow after the things that make for peace. That make for peace. And things wherewith one may edify another. For meat, neutral areas. Destroy not the work of God. Somebody ought to run and shout and hoop and holler. All this mess that we sometimes get so caught up in, the Lord is saying, it matters nothing. And when it comes to the work of God, if you want to eat, eat, but don't flaunt it in front of your brother or your sister. I'm praying to say, should I say that or not? If you have something that you know is offensive to other people in the body of Christ, and it may not be our heaven or hell issue, don't flaunt it by posting on social media what you're doing. Because that's not made for peace. That's not made for peace. Amen. Because then you get like, like me, I get, a, I get a message on Facebook, and, and, and there's no comment, there's no nothing, but just somebody showing me a picture of somebody else, not in this church, in another place, another time, and there's nothing to say, but it's just showing me the picture. And so I got I to gotta enlarge the picture, see what in the world they're talking about. God doesn't have time for that kind of junk. On either side. You see the either side there? I do. Let me, let me read just a couple more things. This is, this is from the NIV uh, of verse 20 and 21, Romans 14. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. Don't destroy the work of God for the sake of your neutrals that one may do and another may not do. Don't, don't try this to do it. All food is clean but it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. Do you hear the message? It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. All right, I got to go to fifth question. We're going to wrap this up. Verse 22. Hast thou faith? Have it therefore before God. 
This is a powerful verse. You're persuaded in your mind. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in the thing which he alloweth. Happy is he, you're convinced in your mind, it's not hurting your relationship with God. It's not hurting your personal walk with God. It's not hurting your brother or sister. You're very aware of that, and you're convinced in your mind. Then enjoy that thing that you feel convinced in your mind and be happy about it. Praise God. If I'm going to eat pork... My brother may not like pork. My brother may have a version of pork. But I'm telling you what, I like my bacon. Bacon makes everything better. Bacon and peanut butter makes everything better. Bacon, peanut butter, and cheese makes everything better. Not together. Good Lord. Thank you. Glad to do that. But I will eat peanut butter with just about anything. Ask my family. It's good stuff. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in the thing that he alloweth. And then look at verse 23. He that doubteth is damned if he eat. Listen to this closely. Because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. A lot of people want to jump into verse 22 and say, see, I shouldn't condemn myself for what I'm doing. But the word faith here is the word conviction. For our convictions are born by faith in God's word. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that which he alloweth. He's tested. He's proven it. He's gone through the questions. I allow it. I do it. Oh, thanks be to God. Amen. Enjoy it. I've proven it. I've tested it. Amen. But he that doubteth is damned or condemned is the word. Any neutral activity that violates your faith becomes sin. Stand with me, please. If an activity has been filtered, a gray area activity has been filtered through these questions then you and I can make good, sound decisions concerning these neutral issues. And then i got to remember, I live to him, I die to him. Ultimately, it's not the opinion of Pastor so-and-so down the road, it's not the opinion of the person across the street or across the aisle. I've got to do it as unto him. Is it of faith? You know, if, if you have to go hide to do it, it's probably not a good thing. If you have to go hide to do it, it's probably not a good thing. If it brings a, a negative division in your home, it's probably not a good thing. But whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord. Somebody say, I'm the Lord's. His opinion matters. Hallelujah. Let's lift up our hands and praise to the God of heaven. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. 
We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.